addictive disorder Always out of order I never had a chance Sports section morning show Now you heard of me, Will You are listening to TFTV Sports Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Sports Section Morning Show, episode 19, Monday, August 29th. Is it the 29th? I just said it. No, 28th. August 28th. Please make sure I got that right. August 28th, baby. Man, we're going to talk a lot of Titans today. Was that the game? The preseason game against New England. And that defense put on a fucking show, man. It starts out. First, I'll read off some stats for y'all. Those that weren't able to watch the game. The Patriots only had six first downs. Six. That's it. Six first downs, 79 total yards, 55 rushing yards. And, you know, they they just snapped on them. Zappy was getting zapped. You know, they, they couldn't run the ball. And when the ones was out there, they was looking like ones, the Titans defense, man. So everybody, all the ones except for Simmons, I want to say, played yesterday. Or not yesterday, but uh, Friday. Seems like it was yesterday. But, man, they look good. Man, they look good. I'm ready to see what this Titans defense does in season, especially these first six games. First six games, we're facing, you know, Carr, Burrow, Lamar. You know, we're facing some quarterbacks these first six games. And they're the ones that are going to keep us in this game, in, the, in these games because we're not just going to overpower these, these guys offensively. You know, it's, it's going to have to be a hard-fought game. It's going to have to be the way the Titans play. You know, just tough. Hard-nosed football, Vrabel-style football. We're going to run the ball 30 times. You know, that's the way we're going to beat these teams, even though, you know, I'm really optimistic about Tim Kelly. You know, at the game, his play calling felt a little bit off, but, man, he racked up fucking 300, I think it was 368 total yards offense. Yeah, 368 total yards offense, 163 on the ground with 205 through the air with backups. And, you know, I'll get back to the defense, too. I'm just excited about Tim Kelly. What I like most about Tim Kelly so far is how willing he's been to spread the offense out horizontally across the field, make defenses, you know, really cover and account for every blade of grass that's on that field, all 52 yards across the field. Because in in the past, you know, especially last year, we really got to the point where we were, you know, really bunched in a lot, little like really just mono mono tight packages, bunch of tight ends. And, you know, we ran a lot of two-man routes out of that. And that shit doesn't work unless you have dogs as your receivers, like AJ's and Corey Davis's, you know, Corey Davis, relatively speaking. But that doesn't work unless you got bona fide dogs at receiver. And if you have bona fide dogs at receiver, you're not going to be running that type of shit. So it's really just counterintuitive and, and counterproductive if you're not incorporating a lot of play action and sending out more than two guys on a route on a play. But the way he's been spreading them out a lot, and I know it has a lot to do with personnel. I'm eager to see how he's able to do this with Derrick Henry and sprinkle in a lot of, a lot of spread, spread formations. But with Spears, it's a lot easier, but there'll be a lot of times where Spears lines up wide motions back in and, you know, he causes a mismatch in that manner. But when they're spreading the offense out that far horizontally, it opens up so many running lanes internally, and it forces defense to make a decision like, hey, we're going to walk these guys out, or are we still going to keep keep these guys in the box? 
and, you know, make sure we stop the run. That's something I've always wanted to see with Henry, even though it's never been something he's relatively been good at in his career because he's never had to. You know, Alabama didn't run the spread while he was down there. When he was in high school, we don't even count that shit. And all his time in the NFL with the Titans, we've never been really that spread out with him in the backfield. So Henry with the spread out backfield causing the defense to make decisions. You know, are we going to are we going to match up with everybody out wide or are we going to make sure we stay keep some extra men in the box to make sure we stop Henry? But that is exactly what I've been wanting to see for a while is, you know, just trying to trying to keep defenses honest by alignment and not just say we're going to throw, you know, that old school bullshit. We're going to throw all 11 guys inside the hashes and we're going to beat you. No, you know, this is 2023. This isn't the 1986 Mike Dick of Chicago Bears, you know, spread these defenses out, especially, you know, these defenses are smaller. Get these smaller guys, spread them out, and we get five on five inside, and we got Henry as an extra man, and that, we're going to win that 10 times out of 10 if they choose to do that, if defenses choose to, to, uh, to swallow that, that blue pill, if they choose to swallow the red pill, and they make sure everybody, is, they stack the box with Henry, say he's not running with us, we got one-on-one matchups with the outside with Hopkins and, and Burks and Chig one-on-one. We can take advantage of that. So that's one thing I'm extremely confident and optimistic about with Tim Kelly, just seeing how he's showing his creativity pre-snap. That's another thing we have with Arthur Smith. Yeah, you like that? You like that analogy? Yeah. <laughs> but the thing with Arthur Smith is we beat a ton of teams using a lot of motion. Thinking about like the Shanahan's, the Shanahan motions and all that, you know, you're beating and misaligning defenses just off motion alone pre-snap. That don't even count you winning battles on the offensive line or your skill players doing what skill players do, making guys miss. If you can beat a team and beat a, beat a defense before the ball's even snapped, that's over half the battle right there. So Arthur Smith used a lot of motion. And we sort of got away from that with Downing. We sort of simplified and dumbed things down. But with Kelly, I see a lot more motion. I see a lot more of the offense being spread out. And, and like I said, defense are going to have to pick their poison. And that, at the end of the day, in the NFL, that's what you want defenses to have to contemplate is, you know, which weapon are we going to try and eliminate? So they try to eliminate Hop, or, uh, Hopkins one game. That's cool. We'll have Henry here. We'll run for fucking 150. They try and eliminate Henry one game. Well, that's cool. We might throw Tajay in there, throw something out to him on the backfield. We're going to do some play action with Chig, or we're going to beat you with Hopkins and Traylon Burks. You know, we don't have the liberty of having, you know, five, four bona fide receivers like like Cincinnati or some of these other teams from Mahomes, a quarterback where we can just drop back 50 times and beat you like like L.A., the Chargers, that is not not the Rams. We don't have that luxury. So we got to work a little bit harder to, to score our points. And that comes with through scheme effort and you know like we've the identity we've had since Frable got here is just beating ass in the, in the trenches you know those are the three ways we're gonna have to win ball games control the clock you can still control the clock and do all that with the spread offense you know you just be a little bit more deliberate and we're still gonna run the ball 25 30 times a game you know that I, I don't see Tannehill us going in there and Kelly calling plays and Tannehill getting 30 40 pass attempts a game that shit ain't happening you know, one, Tannehill don't have the facilities for that. And two, Vrabel probably should have brick. You know what I mean? But, and we got one of the best running backs in the league, so you just don't do that. 
But we got to utilize that best running back in the league in different ways than we have before because teams got the sauce. They got the recipe. They know that, you know, we're just going to stack the box and pray that or we're going to make Tennessee beat us in other ways. No, let's spread the defense out. Open these lanes for Henry before he even gets there and open them organically. And when he gets the ball and the offense line, who's looked really good in preseason, I ain't gonna lie. Once they do their thing and they get to moving people out of spots and gaps, Henry's right there. And he's only got to beat a linebacker or maybe two linebackers and a safety. If you've got everybody spread out, that's the luxury of, of, uh, of doing it in that manner and beating guys with motion. But enough about the offense, man, this defense. So Autry with a strip sack. Landry looked, looked good for his first game back. That's why it was really important for Landry to get, get some reps in preseason. I'm glad that he was able to get them you know, at that speed. The DBs looked good. KB had a, a pass breakup. And, you know, excuse me, they had two three and outs, and then they forced a turnover on the third drive, I want to say. So, you know, the defense is exceptional, man. Aziz looked good. Aziz flying around at linebacker. Going into the year, I was worried about linebacker depth because Aziz was, he was a, you know, unproven commodity there. But I've seen enough with Aziz, man. I'm confident in him at linebacker. And Gibbons is going to do a job as a second linebacker when we, when we go with our heavy nickel instead of having, you know, bringing Hooker down. But Aziz, Gibbons, Monty Rice, whenever he decides to come back, I don't know what the hell is going on with him. Them three linebackers will give us enough depth, enough depth at that position. And then we also got, you know, it's going to be some tough cuts. You got Rush at linebacker, and there's another one, not Gibbons, but the other fellow. Forget his name. Got two good linebackers that are on the fringe, and, you know, we might, we'll probably keep one of them for special teams. Rush can line up on the defense line. He's done that in preseason, lined up as a, you know, a, a faux D end almost, you know, to rush the passer with, th- with third down. We've done that a lot using one of our linebackers, which I don't prefer that. I'd rather us use a defense lineman, an actual pass rusher. But then again, that gives us a lot of flexibility. If we put one of those middle linebackers, Bowen of Rabel to do this on third downs, like third and long, they'll have five D linemen down with one linebacker and that linebacker would normally be Aziz, but sometimes it's possibly Hooker as that one linebacker. Then they'll have five down linemen and your five down linemen, down linemen would be like Autry or it would be like Landry, Autry, Jeff, and uh, like Weaver or somebody. Our pass rushing package, that would be the 4D lineman. Then that fifth one on the outside would be a linebacker like we've done with Rush. Rush would be there, and he would have all, he would be not in fours, but he would have his hand in the dirt like he was a DN. So that gives us a lot of flexibility on third and longs because that guy, that linebacker on the end, can either rush the passer, of course, or he can drop back into coverage, drop back into a flat, or run back into a hook curl. And it just gives us so much flexibility and allows us to really confuse quarterbacks especially young quarterbacks so you know I think that's some value that rush adds defensively but you know we can still get that same effect from maybe maybe Aziz or you know Arden Key is a, he's a rush rush end but that he would be there instead of Weaver anyway but that position is really would be where Landry would be Key would be on the left side or the the opposite side of Landry and Landry would be that foe Full linebacker that's able to drive back into coverage if we absolutely need him to, or rush the passer. So, you know, that's that's probably why we keep an extra linebacker just for depth in that position and special teams. That's not just going to be kept around for that position. But special teams also, and, you know, that it's going to be a tough cut there. But DBs look good. 
Even McCreary looked good. You know, Molden hadn't got any. He, I don't think he got any reps with the ones uh, Friday. He mostly just got his reps as the you know really the buyer. He's moved really moved into the buyer backup role, which is which is pretty good. You know, that's a good spot for him compared to corner because he allows him to be a little more cerebral. That buyer role that we have, you know, if Bayer really floats a lot, and that fits Molden because Molden is he's a really smart football player. You watch him on film. He anticipates well, and, you know, sometimes he just doesn't have the, the speed to get across to a spot. But, you know, I think Molden could really succeed as that, as that third safety, you know, behind Hooker and Bayard because he'll, he'll see a lot of time. He'll see a lot of time. We go our big nickel package, you know, unless they just put McCreary in there. But even McCreary played all right. Chat says Farley on PUP. Yeah, he's on the PUP. He's already been injured, but of course, the thing that happened last week, he's on the. Uh, I want to see he's, he's still on the PUP. Yeah, I don't know when he'll be back, but you know, of course, it doesn't matter when he'll be back, but because you know the the family stuff going on. But uh, the other guy, Raiden's, he's on the PUP too. I don't know what the hell's up with Raiden's. I know he tours he tours ACL towards the end of the year. So he should be coming back sometime soon. Yeah, definitely no timeline with Farley and his family, man. That's that's just rough, bro. That's terrible. But uh, you know, he's, he's gonna have to. They're gonna support him. He, he's gonna take his time getting back whenever whenever he you know needs to take as much time as he is. I would imagine while he's rehabbing and stuff. But even the rehab comes second to dealing with the family issue at this point. You know, defense defense wise, yeah, McCurry looked good. We've got to find a way to keep. Uh, what's it? I think it's Chance Campbell. Let me look up. And that's not Chance Campbell. Let me let me look up who it is real quick. The uh that rush linebacker we have. That's got like a ton of sacks. Let me see. Chance, he probably got a rehab person from Daily Right. Yeah, they probably sent sent somebody with them out there rehab wise. Yeah, that would at least that's what I would have done. I'd imagine the Titans the Titans did that. That way he don't got to go back and forth for his rehab and he could just do it, you know, while he's there with his family. Cause I'm sure he's still going to, of course he's still going to be doing, doing his rehab, but it'd be a lot easier if there's, you know, a doctor, probably not a doctor, just, I don't know. What, what do they even call a rehab person? A therapist, a rehab therapist. What do you call that? I don't even know what you would call that person. A PT physical therapist. Yeah. 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 Physical therapist. Probably have a PT with him out there. And they probably held stay at his crib or a trainer. Yeah, 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 you're right, a trainer. Yeah, a trainer. And they should probably send both of them out there. I'm, you know, I'm sure the Titans are really, really taking care of doing the best they can. You know, of course, he's probably going to want his space, but I'm sure they're taking care of him in that manner too. I'm sure they would send a, 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 you know, a mental health professional, like you said, out there. That would be smart, a trainer and a mental health professional, because Lord knows, Lord knows how he's feeling right now. Just Absolutely horrendous story. Here we go. Here's here's the guy that I was talking about. Caleb Murphy, man. 100% he's on it. If any coach is on it, he's on it. Caleb Murphy's got to make the team. I'd imagine he he's like 100% has to make the team. I don't give a damn who else it is. You know, Dowell's on the, on the cut line too. But if I had to choose between Caleb Murphy and Dowell, and I know they play different positions, but when it gets to this point in time, we're getting close to the 53. They're sort of lumped into one because, you know, they're, they're on the short list of who's going to make it. But Murphy, man, I think this guy had like six sacks in, pre, in three games. He came out of college having a 20-plus a 20 sack year. 
The guy can rush the passer and get to the quarterback, and he's undrafted. That's a you can't that commodity and that skill set is way more valuable to me than an undrafted receiver that, yeah, he has the intangibles and the tools, but you know, I think I think McDowell, I think Dowell would make it past cuts anyway. You know, even he might. He's got the tools, he's got the speed, he's got the size, and he's got the hands to be really good. Just needs a little bit of time. But you can't let a guy like Murphy go. You absolutely can't. And Vrabel being a defensive coach, I think he knows the value of that. And at the end of the day, Dowell is a a fifth, sixth receiver. You know, Murphy would get time on rushing downs at the very minimum. You know, Weaver, while, while Weaver's playing, you know, shit, Murphy... Murphy might might be in his spot is that rush that rush in spelling, you know, your Landry's and your keys. Caleb Murphy, I think that's his name, Caleb Murphy. All I heard, Sag Murphy. Yeah, Caleb Murphy been balling in the preseason. So Weaver better watch out if Murphy makes the team. And I hope he makes that team. Yeah, undrafted, no off the field problems. Both both Dowell and Murphy don't, you know, they're they're good characters off off the field from what I understand. Now, of course, we we probably wouldn't bring in an undrafted guy if he's got got off the field problems. That that seems unnecessary. But we absolutely cannot let Murphy go. That that has shades of Legarrette Blunt when we let him go off the practice squad, and he goes on to have a hell of a career. You know, and while we had like I think that was when we had Bishop Sankey and shit like that. You know, just unacceptable stuff there. But we have to find a way to hold on to Caleb Murphy. He's not going to make it through the waiver wire if we cut him. Guaranteed. Ain't no way he makes it to our practice squad. He has to stay on there. And, you know, I'm taking Kiers Jackson over Dowell just because what he can do on special teams. Good returner. Phillips does not need to be a part returner. He's fragile. He's like glass. If you looked at him, he's going, you know, tear or not, not tear. He'll get injured just by looking at him. He lighting ass, you know, he don't need to be, he don't need to be on a, on a position like part return. You need somebody back there, a little bit of bulk that can take a hit and take a beating back there because that, over the course of the year, that punt returner is getting beat up. Beat up. And you don't want your most fragile receiver back there. I don't, these people that say this shit, I know I've been talking about this for the last week, but it just irked me. These people that say this shit could not have ever played football in their life. They couldn't have. Kyle Phillips cannot be back there at punt returner. He can, he can hardly, hardly work or perform with his workload at receiver as a third receiver. Why do you think you add more work to him at punt returner is going to keep him on the field. That's not. The guy's injury prone. It ain't happening. But Kiaris Jackson, I'd say we got to keep him. Kenzie's going to get kept. Westbrook Aquina, I'd imagine, is going to get kept. Even though Westbrook Aquina could be an option to get cut and, you know, be on the, be on the practice squad because he, he sort of tested the market in free agency this past year and didn't really get no bites. He came back to, to Nashville. So that could be an option. Some, some 3D, 4D chess. By uh by Rand Carton, but man, so en- enough about enough about the the fourth and fifth and sixth receivers, man. The defense was exceptional, but let let's talk about this kicking situation the Titans have, man. The, this predicament, the predicament, <laughs> the predicament that the Titans are in. So Badgley, he comes in. I think he hits three out of four field goals with us, and uh on Friday he misses a host of them. I think he missed more. He missed like four field goals his first day, and then he was in the interview talking about it's just practice, thinking he's AI. Well, no, nah, you're gone, like AI. 
He comes in, he's he's three for four in the game, and he misses a short one, a 34-yarder. And, you know, he's cut. So he was one of the first cuts. Out of all the cuts Titans had, Michael Badgley was the kicker, LJ Davis, Gavin Holmes, Zach Johnson, James Murray, and then tight end Justin Rigg. So on to the kicking, though. Badgley gets cut. Rumors are coming out that, you know, Crosby and Suckup in particular are of interest to the Titans. Both of them are in Nashville working out. I think uh, Crosby posted a a video on Twitter of him kicking at Brentwood. I want to say Brentwood. It was a high school in Nashville. But, you know, we absolutely have to solve this kicking problem. So, you know, in the the beginning of the beginning of the offseason, the Titans tried it with two really young kickers to, I guess, try and get some long-term stability at the position. Then they tried a little old, uh, older cat around 28 in Badgley. That didn't work. So, you know, I think it was always in the, I want to say, and I want to think it was always in the plans for them to, you know, they knew they would be able to fall back on a, one of these really old kickers as a stopgap for a year or two. And that's where it looks like we're at. I would say, and I've suggested a couple episodes ago, you know, between Crosby or Robbie Gold, I really do not want to suck up. I, that's that guy's last on my list. I really do not want to suck up. But uh, between the guys that are, I'm not even counting the guys that are cut and are in kicking battles right now. I'll we'll talk about them in just a second. But the guys that are actually available, kickers that are available right now, you could sign them. I could have them on the show and sign them type shit. I would pick Crosby one, Gold second, and then suck up absolutely last place. But the thing with Gold, Robbie Gold, is that. You know, San Francisco has both of their kickers hurt at the moment. Shanahan said in an interview that they've got to come up with a plan B. So gold, I'd imagine, is that plan B. That's naturally he'll just go back to San Francisco. He's been there for, I think he was there for six or seven years. He's there for a good good amount of time. So that that's why I think there hasn't been a lot of traffic on Robbie Gold's name. It's because, you know, he's he's waiting on San Francisco. Similar to how Kern was last year, you know, with, with us. Well, he it's not similar, but the loyalty part of it is similar. So that's why I don't think there's a lot of traction on Robbie Gold's name. Uh, Crosby, he lives in Nashville. He's been working out in Nashville. I think that's always something we've had, you know, queued up in the in our back pocket is, you know, hey, well, this guy be available. You know, we'll have we'll go through this kicking battle with a young kicker, young, you know, kickers with a lot of potential. It just didn't work out. We'll try Badgley as a little stopgap for game three. If he performs well, we'll keep him. If he don't, he's cut. He didn't. He's cut. So, you know. We got Crosby on the back burner, suck up on the back burner. I absolutely do not want any parts of suck up, but there's kicking battles around the league. So, you know, one kicking battle that that's really, that was brought to my attention that I'm really intrigued by is the one in New Orleans between Lutz and uh, Groupie. So both kickers have, you know, pretty big legs. Both kickers are performing well in preseason and making a tough, defi- tough decision for that New Orleans organization and New Orleans head coach. Whoever loses that kicking battle is going to get a job elsewhere. And then whoever loses the L.A. Chargers kicking battle between Hopkins and uh, and Dicker are going to, you know, be on the team. So I'm not sure if the Titans would really go out and contact these teams to trade for one of them so they don't hit the open market. But to really cover your bases and make sure you get one of them, unless they feel confident with Crosby and they've reached out to his agent and, you know, they've got a deal more or less lined up or financially lined out to where they know that, you know, hey, we'll just it's just push a button and get him. You might want to look at trading for one of those kickers, Dicker, 
the the loser of that battle in L.A. between Dicker and Hopkins, and then the loser or the loser of the battle in New Orleans between Lutz, 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 I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, and Groupie. Because I would take any of those four kickers over the ones that are available on the market now between Crosby and Suckup. Suckup is absolutely last on that list. I don't want any parts of him. I don't like reunions, especially at kicker. You know, there's a reason they left. I know he was injured, but I don't want any part of Ryan Suckup. But I would, I would take any of those four kickers that are in battles right now with open arms, and that'll solve our kicking problem for the year. So, you know, at, at first I was really worried and alarmed about the kickers. The Titans seem really relaxed. You know, they're just playing carousel right now. There's six kickers out there that, you know, are available to the Titans that, that would, of course, upgrade what we have. So that's why I think Rand and Rabel, they're keeping their cards close to their chest with this one. And they're confident they'll be able to get a deal done with at least one of those six guys, whoever's cut. So it'll really be two, one of the four guys, because two of them be on teams. So one of the four guys that we'll be able to get and reach out to and, and grab. I'll take any of them except for suck up, of course. So that was that's to solve the kicking problem and, and we should be okay on that front. All right. Couple more things and then we'll get out of here. We got Leatherwood released by Chicago. Alex Leatherwood, former Alabama tackle. Uh, you know, so here's the thing. I see people on Twitter saying, you know, absolutely not. No Leatherwood, no Leatherwood this. I know he's getting cut and he's playing all over the league. Beggars can't be choosers. He can perform better than Dennis Daly, 100%. He could be an option at, at both tackle spots, and he could just be some decent depth at the end of the day. He's not going to get signed to be the starting right tackle, the starting left tackle. These, these people are saying no to, to NFL depth. Like, we have a bunch of depth on our roster. We don't. We absolutely don't. So, it depends on what Leatherwood is wanting financially. You know, he, he, he couldn't possibly want too much. He's, he's been cut by Chicago of all teams who don't have the best offensive line as is. But, you know, beggars cannot be choosers. And if anybody can take on, you know, questionable, questionable personalities, it's Vrabel. That's why you pay. <laughs> that's why Vrabel gets paid the big bucks because he's able to manage these personalities and get them cohesive and working all in the same direction with the team. So you can't just say no to Leatherwood. I know some part of that part of the people will be saying no because of the attitude. A lot of others will say no because he just hasn't performed well. But we don't have much better than him at the moment. So at the very least, we could bring him in for a workout, see how he does if he impresses us, if he impresses us physically, and we feel like we can have a grip on him, you know, as a teammate mentally. Then give him a shot. You know, he's he's good depth, and he'll he'll shore up that offensive line. But the offensive line, you know, they, they impressed me and the. In the uh, the game against New England, you know they struggled for uh, probably the first couple series. They struggled, in my opinion, running the ball. They weren't getting a good push. And I, of course, I got to go back and look at the look at the film, look at the all twenty two film. But when I was there, it just looked like they were getting beat off beat off the ball by a really good New England front. You know that New England front ain't no slouch. Even if they didn't play their starters, all their starters, that's a good coached and performing front seven New England has. So you're not just going to run the ball for, for three, 400 yards, not three, 400, but you're not just going to run for 250, 200 yards on New England without moving guys off the spot. And it just took, it just took that offensive line a little bit to get jailed and going. Dillard, Andre Dillard, our starting left tackle, played a bunch. 
he was out there even after all the other offensive line starters were, were on the bench with their helmets off. Dillard was still out there getting work and still looked really good. So Dillard is one that's really, really improved over there. Just like we, if we shit on them in the offseason about them not going good, we got to give them their flowers as they're doing well. And Andre Dillard has improved a shit ton over the course of the offseason and preseason games himself. From game one to game three, he looks very, very good. And he looks like he'll he'll be at least a, you know, he'll be a decent left tackle for us. He he might not be a great left tackle for us, but he'll do a job right there. And, you know, we'll be able to run the ball towards his side with some with some good effectiveness behind him and Skaronsky. So, you know, Dillard looked really good. Skaronsky, Skaronsky, I think we got one in Skaronsky, man. I think he's going to be, he might be one of them Zach Martin types. So we're going to have 15, 16 years as just a, a penciled in guard playing for us and being stable there. You know, Skaronsky has performed extremely well over the offseason. Good thing about offensive linemen, when you don't hear their name, you know they're doing good, and you ain't heard nothing about Skaronsky. You know, the, the only thing you heard about Skaronsky is when they asked him about that bullshit at Northwestern, and he wasn't having – he he blocked that well, too, just like he'd been blocking. So, you know, we got one in Skaronsky. I'm really excited to see how he does this season. Even as a rookie, he looks like he's really assimilated well, and, you know, he's practicing against one of the best defensive lines in the league. So it's like your arm. I know it's cliche, but iron sharpening iron. They're gonna get. They're gonna get him ready. And you know he he was ready coming in, but he's even more ready now to to be a bona fide starter. And as long as that offensive line stays healthy, man, you know they can. And we get to week six with MPF, but we'll we'll be all right. We'll be all right offensively in that offensive line. It's just a matter of, of Tannehill doing what he needs to do, and and Kelly maintaining that good play call that he showed in game three. Even though he still he ain't opened up the playbook for nothing. He ran a bunch of basic ass shit and was still still performing well. So, you know, if he just stays, keep spreading defenses out like he is, making defense pick their poison, we got one in in this offense. I'm I'm really I'm way more optimistic about this Titans offense than I was going into the year or going into the offseason, honestly. So really good by the offense line. They performed well. Um it's just on the skill players and Ryan Tannehill to do their thing, honestly. So moving on, last thing we got, last thing we got today on the agenda, Stroud and Richardson name starters. Of course, that's a given. The coach tried to play, you know, like they act like they're the only ones that that know what the hell is going on. They don't know what's going on. That's the problem. But they try and trick everybody when they end up really just tricking themselves. But. Oh, Richardson starts for them, even though Ursay was saying, oh, well, I don't know. You know, Minshew has to play early, but it's going to be a battle. Or uh, he said, Richardson has to play. Yada, yada, yada. Everybody knew Richardson was going to start, man. You don't draft a guy fourth for him not to start. He started. But it's officially announced. Stroud, Richardson. I think, once again, and I'm, I'm standing by this, I think Richardson's going to have a better year than Stroud based purely on the weapons that he has. I drafted Mechie in my fantasy, one of my fantasy leagues, but that was in the 16th round. But... You know, Richardson, especially because I don't think Taylor's going anywhere for one. You know, that apparently Miami uh, offered a trade to Indianapolis that got turned down. Taylor ain't going nowhere, man. I don't see it happening. You know, if they can if they can get a Taylor back in there, get Taylor back assimilated with the offense. The Colts are going to have a pretty decent offense. They got Pittman there, you know, Pittman, Taylor, Anthony Richardson in the backfield. They're going to cause some problems. And Richardson especially if they run the ball or Richardson runs the ball as much as he should, 
which going off their their head coaches they got from Philly, you know, they're going to utilize his legs as they should. But I think he's going to have a better year than Stroud. He he might be up there. No, I ain't going to say that. I was about to say he'd be in there with rookie of the year uh, conversation. That ain't happening. But, you know, I, I think he'll have a better year than Stroud just because Stroud doesn't have anybody to throw the ball to. You know, Tank Dell, he, he's got a bunch of rookies. Tank Dell is a rookie. Mechie's a rookie. Collins is Collins. And Robert Woods is out there stealing money. Somehow we got another organization he's stealing money from. But Stroud just don't have it. Don't have that that the weapons to to really be able to succeed out there. But Richardson, Richardson should, you know, with Taylor and uh, Pittman. So I'm actually, I'm honestly excited to see what these rookies do this year between Bryce Young. Uh, we, we ain't going to see Will Levis, but Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, Stetson Bennett might be playing. It might be Stetson. And then Aiden McConnell out in, out in Vegas. So I don't know if I'm missing one or I feel like I got them all. But I'm eager to see what these rookies do this year, honestly. But I think rookie of the year, I probably think I think Bryce Young will have it. And, of course, we'll we'll do our rookie of the year. And uh, we're going to do all our predictions on the X and One show in episodes. It'll be episode seven. We'll be recording that this coming weekend. Uh, episode, episode six will be out tomorrow. But we'll be doing all our NFL predictions that, that weekend on that episode. And, and you'll see who I got for rookie of the year, who I got for MVP and such like that. But but yeah, that, I think that'll wrap the show up, man. It was a quick show today. You know, we're about to get into the grind time. We're about to get in for the grind time for the for the NFL NFL season. Uh, NBA is gonna be right coming back right around the corner in, in about two months, maybe no, nah, yeah, about two months. So grind time, Titans coming, Vols coming. There's gonna be a lot, a lot going, man. It's gonna be a lot going. Make sure y'all tap in on YouTube. Make sure y'all subscribe to us at TFTV Sports on YouTube. Make sure y'all follow us on all socials at TFTV Sports and on Instagram at TFTV.Sports. Thank y'all for joining. We out, man.